Welcome all to Kingdom Life Church VA Podcast. At KO, we endeavor to advance God's kingdom one life at a time. So, I pray that wherever you're listening from, that this will help you be encouraged. Here is this week's message. And then I said the title of the message was, The Battle Is Not Yours. Do you believe that? Okay. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verses 13 and 17, verses 13 through 17, out of the New Living Translation, read as follows. As all the men of Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, wives, and children, the Spirit of the Lord came upon one of the men standing there. His name was Jehazel son of Zechariah, son of Benaiah, son of Jael, son of Madaniah, or Levite, a Levite, I'm sorry, who was a descendant of Asphah. He said, listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Listen, King Jehoshaphat. This is what the Lord says. I could say, listen, all you people of Kingdom Life Church. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this mighty army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. I thought I'd get more people shouting on that. Because this is what the Lord says. Verse 16 says, tomorrow, march out against them. You will find them coming up through the ascent of Ziz, at the end of the valley that opens into the wilderness of Jeruel. But you will not even need to fight. Take your positions, then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you. O people of Judah and Jerusalem, O people of Kingdom Life Church, do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. Again, I say the battle is not yours, it's the Lord's. (laughs) This morning, I want to ask you, what battles are you fighting? All of us, and that includes me, are dealing with something, right? We're dealing with at least one thing, one situation, one struggle that we may be battling with. Some of us are losing sleep. Some of us are losing patience. Some of you are anxious. Why? Because we're all looking for or expecting a favorable outcome. Uh, Some of us are battling on our jobs. Some of us are battling with our children. Some of us are battling in our marriages. We may be battling in our finances. But God has already told us that the battle is not ours, but the Lord's. I believe the problem many times with the battles that that each of us are facing is we are relying on our own strength and our own ability. And when we do that, we X God out of the equation. Many of us, I believe, because we don't include God, this is why we're continually facing the same battles. Not different battles, but the same battles. But I want to encourage you today that the battle, again, is not yours, but it's God's. Because the battle that you've been trying to fight and the battle that you're consistently in has already been fought and it's already been won. I said deliverance was here today. I want to set the scene for you on this morning out of the book of Second Chronicles, if I can, if you'll give me the time to do so. While I was preparing for this message, I learned some very (laughs) important things about King Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat, it turns out, was a very godly king, and he ruled for 25 years. And during his tenure, there had been both good and bad kings, but King Jehoshaphat was one of the good guys. I want to say that many of the previous rulers, listen to what they did. They brought in false gods and false religions into the region, and they tried to mix God with it. Trying to mix in the holy with the profane. As Pastor AJ said, he's getting ahead of me in my notes. I wrote down this thought that it sounds like what's happening today. 
People are trying to mix in the holy with the profane. Or I could say the people of God are trying to mix in the holy with the profane. It appears that, that there is little distinction now between those who are with God and those who are against God. I'm going to say amen. There is little distinction between those who say they serve God and those who say, I don't serve God. What has happened is culture has called, uh, caused what I would say, which was what was a concretized line to now be one of sand. You draw a line in the sand, depending on whether you use your hands or your foot, that line could be erased. But if you concretize some things or pour it in concrete, you will always see the standard of where that line was. Culture has caused us or has blurred the lines of distinction, I would say. And why do you say that, Pastor? I say that because some of us, not all of you, are doing everything the world is doing. Amen, baby. Some of you are conducting yourselves contrary to the word of God. Some of you are conducting yourselves opposite of what God has told you to do. And what's happening is you've let down your boundaries. You've let down your standards. You've let down your morals. You've not only disappointed some of your family members, but you're disappointing God. Amen. There was a time, church, where believers just wouldn't mix with unbelievers. They just wouldn't. They, would, they may be invited to the party, but they already know what, what's going to happen at the party, so they're not going. They might be invited to the cookout, but they already know after a certain time uh, that, <laughs> that uncle <laughs> or that auntie, they're going to start some mess, so they don't go. I'm not saying that you can't participate in things. I'm saying there should be a distinction about you. There should be a distinction, all right? And I'm not just going to say this, but Ezekiel says this. It's written in God's word in chapter 44, verse 23. It says, and they shall teach my people the difference between the holy and profane. Look, and cause them to discern between the unclean and the clean. There are times that we're living in, we're letting the culture dictate the standards of the word of God. We're letting the culture tell us what's wrong and what's right. And how do you know that? I know that because I hear people say things like, oh, well, that's old-fashioned. Oh, that's not for today. I mean, but everybody's doing it. Y'all heard those things? Amen. So I'm not alone. I'm not by myself. And so what happened is you start to mix in with things you're never designed to mix into. See, people say for today, oh, that Bible is not for today. That church is not for today. You don't need pastors. You don't even need God. I'm spiritual. I'm going to locate some of y'all this morning. Now, everything I say is not for in-house. I understand that I have people watching me on social media as well. People say things like, well, this is my truth. Well, what truth are you operating in? What truth are you operating in? King Joseph, Jehoshaphat, he brought the word of God to people. When you encounter people, when you do go to the cookout or you do go to the party, do you bring the word of God to people? See, what happens is, much like what pastors are trying to do today, we're trying to give people the truth of God's word. At least I can speak for Pastor AJ and myself. We're trying to give people the truth of God's word. We're trying to point people to Jesus. Most pastors are trying to share the message of God's hope, the message of God's love, the message of salvation. They're trying to get people set free. They're trying to get people delivered. They're trying to uh, allow people to see the goodness of God in their lives. They're trying to bring restoration to people because people are in a lost and dying world. Each week recently, I've seen a young person, um, pictures on social media, but they've taken their life. They've given up hope. They said goodbye and canceled out this world, believing that they're going to go to a better place. My prayer is that I hope they do, but I don't know them personally. Personally. 
But the people that I know personally, the people that I'm intimately in fellowship with, I should make it my business to bring the word of God to them. Somebody clap. I should make it my business to bring the word of God to them. Whether you realize it or not, you don't have a lot of time. The Bible says this life is but a vapor. You're 20 today, you'll be 40 tomorrow, and then you'll be 80. It just happens so fast. But with the time that you have, are you trying to influence people with the word of God? Listen to me. When you give people the truth, you don't have to mix it with anything. Because the truth stands all by itself. We got a lot of gimmicks. We got a lot of props. We got a lot of theatrics. But the truth of the word, when you give that to people, it stands all by itself. I don't got to pump you up only through the word. I don't got to prop you up only by the word. And that's what King Jehoshaphat did. He wanted to see his nation and those around him blessed. I want to say to you this morning that God is raising up a body of believers who believe God's word and that alone. God is raising up a body of believers in this ministry. God is raising up a body of believers in this region. God is raising up a body of believers in this city. God is raising up a body of believers in our nation. And they're going to turn the world upside down. Why? Based on the truth of God's word. You don't need no props. They're good. But we certainly don't need any gimmicks. Because gimmicks don't keep people delivered. Because if I do a gimmick today, guess what? I got to do a gimmick tomorrow. If I do a gimmick tomorrow, I got to do a gimmick the following week. I'm not even trying to do all that. I just want people to hear the word of God. Amen? Jehoshaphat and Judah were surrounded on every side in 2 Chronicles. The Moabites, the Ammonites, and some of the Minyanites declared war on them. And this morning, I believe that the enemy has declared war on some of you. I believe that the enemy is, has surrounded you. Many of you sitting here today feel like that you're boxed in on all sides. You feel like that, that on this morning that, that you don't know what to do, that you don't have an answer. You may be asking God, even in the midst of this message, God, why are you allowing the enemy to surround me? But that's the wrong question to ask. Do you realize that nothing takes God by surprise? Nothing takes him by chance or accident. Even though we may be surprised, even though we may be unprepared, nothing takes him by surprise. There are times through no fault of your own or even sometimes through your own fault that things happen. We have a real enemy, church. We have a real enemy believer. Pastor did an extensive teaching in delegated authority regarding our position as believers. We have an enemy. I'm going to call him or identify him as Satan, and he is a tempter. He tempts you with evil. He tempts you with fleshly desires. He tempts you with your past. He tempts you. Why? Because he wants you to turn your back on God. You think it's about you. No, it's about the bigger picture. It's about the difference you can make in the earth. Come on, it's about the difference you can make in somebody's life. It's about the difference you can make in your family. It's about the difference you can make in a generation. It's about the difference you can make in your neighborhood. It's about the difference you can make. And that's why he tempts you. You wonder why it seems like when one situation is resolved, here comes another situation. When one trial is resolved, here comes another trial. When one circumstance is, is what you believe done, here comes another thing. Y'all heard people say, it's always something. Technically, it's not always something. It's the enemy who's trying to get you off course and off focus because he knows you can make a difference. But you got to know you can make a difference. You got to know that you can make a difference in somebody's life. The devil is a liar. Even if the world is falling apart, even if things are crumbling around you, the devil is still a liar. The Bible says he's the father of lies. And contrary to what it may look like right now, I still see God. 
I still see God. In the midst of every struggle, in the midst of every point of opposition, I still see God. Let me bring it home. In the midst of my children acting a jack, I still see God. In the midst of my husband not uh, communicating or understanding, I still see God. In the midst of my boss telling me this or that, I still see God. Why? Because I know God is for me. You got to get a no, I know God is for me on the inside of you. Some of you just, just go along with everything that's happening, fainting and falling and quitting at every point of opposition. Do you realize how powerful you are? Do you realize how much authority you walk in? If you don't, you need to get that Delegated Authority CD. Series, four CDs. Do you realize the enemy not just coming after you because he don't have nothing else to do? He is always on attack. Our problem is we're always sitting back. And instead of playing defense, we need to play offense. We need to run to the enemy. We need to tell him through the word who he is and what he's not going to do, what he's not going to have. When those thoughts, because he plays with us in our mind, when those thoughts come in our head that we cannot have, that we cannot be, that we won't accomplish, you better open up your mouth and start saying something back. That's what I'm talking about. You're quiet even in here in church. In this place, guess what? You can use your outside voice. In this place, you can use your outside voice. They were surrounded on all sides because the enemy had declared war on them. I want you to know that every past battle that you faced up until this point, you were victorious in. Why? Because you're still standing. Because you're still sitting here. Those battles actually made you stronger and wiser. There has always been an exit plan with God. There is always an exit plan with God. But what you need to do is look for the way of escape. You got to look for the way of escape. And if the enemy can bog you down in your thoughts, you will not be able to see your way out. And that's what happens. He tries to bog us down in our mind to keep us from seeing the way of escape. But like they sang on this morning, this is how I fight my battles. I fight my battles in church. I fight my battles through the word of God. I fight my battles on my knees. The weapons of my warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds. Every stronghold that's been set up in your mind, you need to pull it down. You need to pull them down. Do you hear me? You need to cast every demonic thought out of your mind now. Don't wait till after the message. Now. Do that thing now. We ain't got to wait. What we waiting on? That's the problem. We've been waiting instead of worshiping. We've been waiting too long. So the enemy will try to set up, look, build a fortress in your mind against the plan of God. But I'm here to declare war on him this morning. You better do the same thing. I'm going to declare war on him because he will not have my mind. He will not take me captive. He will not cause me to fail or be defeated. Amen. Once you get on the other side, you can celebrate that God bought you out. Come on, anybody been on the other side? Anybody on the other side? When you're on the other side, you can celebrate God bringing you out. Amen? God allows things to happen to us sometimes that we just don't understand. But what Jehoshaphat did when he began to rule, he began to fortify himself. He began to fortify his cities. He began to fortify his borders. But there was one thing Je Jehoshaphat did that was not pleasing to God. What he did was he mixed with an evil king. Some of us are mixing, like I said earlier, with some evil kings. 
So there were two regions inside of ancient Israel. Amen, I got to move forward. There were two regions. One was the northern kingdom. One was the southern kingdom. Northern kingdom, everybody was demonic. They was evil. In the southern kingdom, out of the 20 rulers, there were 12 who were, who were evil, but there were eight who were good, and Jehoshaphat was one of those good ones. Amen? And so what Jehoshaphat did is he was in the minority, <laughs> like some of us who's serving God for real, who's trying to do the right thing all the time, it seems like we're in the minority. And sometimes it feels like you're standing by yourself because those people that you associate with are doing everything else that we talked about, and they're not really serving the Lord for real. You know how you meet people, they be like, I'm a believer, and you look at their lifestyle, you're like, ain't no way. Tell the truth and shame the devil. No condemnation, I'm just saying, if we're reading out the same book, we're sitting under the same father, shouldn't every son and daughter look like their parent? Oh, okay, y'all gonna get that on the way home. So Jehoshaphat was in the minority, like some of us. Because there weren't many people who were standing for the things of God like even on today. Some people not standing for the things of God. They're not standing for the truth of God's word. They're not standing for righteousness. But you better know there's more with us than against us. There are more with us. There are more believers. We're just a small segment in a large pond. There are many believer, believers who are praising and serving God for real. Amen? So Jehoshaphat, like I said, he was on the right path. But one of his weaknesses, again, was he formed an evil alliance with King Ahab. You keep reading further down, you're going to see not only did he form an evil alliance with King Ahab, he ended up forming an evil alliance with Ahab's sons. One of Satan's greatest weapons, and, and I want to say that even on that, that portion I just said, you do realize that lessons unlearned will be repeated? Oh, okay. So why do we keep going around the same old battle? Same old mountain, stuck in the same situation because you haven't learned the lesson. For the teachers in here, you test your students and they continually fail. We're going to keep testing you until you get it. Because when you got something, you got something. You hear me? So one of Satan's greatest weapons that he uses, church, especially against the believer, is compromise. Shout compromise. He uses compromise. He's trying to get you to destroy you. He's trying to get you to destroy you. And that's what happens when you compromise or when you hook up with an unholy alliance. The enemy is trying to get you to destroy you. Jehoshaphat originally, listen, stood up against sin. But then he aligned himself with an evil king which means he compromised. Amen? And so when you compromise, this is what you hear in this sense. Oh, it don't take all of that. Y'all church open. No, I'm looking at it online. Y'all know I'm telling the truth. You be like, oh, no, everybody doing this. You ain't doing this. No, I'm not. You'll hear things like, uh, uh, look. I didn't think it was that bad, that bad. You knew it was wrong when you did it. Don't children know when they're wrong? Even little kids. I've seen these little things on social media. They did this little test, and the, I think the, the, the mother or the father told them to put the fruit candy or something in front of the kid or the fruit, and they said, don't touch it till I get back. And most of the children were obedient, but then there was one. <laughs> There's always that one. There was one who mama went away, and when she came back, uh, when mama went away, the baby took that M&M, stuck it in her mouth, and when mama came back, she took it out. Mama didn't tell her to take it out. She knew it was wrong. Some of you know what you're doing is wrong, but you still want to go and meddle in it anyway. And King Jehoshaphat, when King Ahab asked him about the battle that he was going to face, look, Jehoshaphat knew it was wrong. And so King uh, Ahab brought his four, 400 prophets together. And guess what they all said? Oh, no, you could be victorious in this battle. They were yes men. 
they were scared to tell King Ahab the truth. Like some of you might be scared to tell people the truth when you see them doing wrong. I'm not one of those people. I will call you out and I will rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Because you know you're wrong. They don't, tell, they don't take 10 people to tell you you're wrong. You're wrong. So let me tell you what King Jehoshaphat did. He was like, okay, I hear those 400 prophets, but um, is there another one? Is there another prophet who can bring a word? And Ahab said, yeah, there is, but he don't, keep, he don't like me. A matter of fact, he said he hates me. He never says anything favorable about me. Just because people don't tell you what you want to hear don't mean they don't like you. Most of the time they tell you that because they love you. They tell you because they love you. And they're tired of seeing you going down the same struggle. They're tired of seeing you going down the same path. And they're trying to say, get your little tail over here. The mama and me came out. Let me say it like the past. Get yourself in church, please. Won't you focus on God? Have you prayed today? Have you read today? But you want to say, get your little everything. Get yourself together. So Ahab uh, knew he, he knew going to battle. He, he heard that it was going to be favorable for him. But the truth is it wasn't. The prophet that came and actually told them that what he, who he didn't want to hear actually told them, no, you can go, but you're going to die. He didn't want to hear that. He believed what the 400 yes people said. And guess what happened? They went to battle, and he died. But listen, the company you keep is so important. Because King Jehoshaphat didn't die. But your very life depends on the word that you hear. And sometimes you'll close your ears up to the truth, but you'll open your ears up to a lie. I want to put a plug in for Coffee and Conversations right there. We talked about godly relationships for a couple of weeks. For those of you who don't know Pastor AJ and myself, we come on every Thursday at 7 a.m. Facebook Live. And for the last few weeks, we've been talking about godly relationships. I could call it unholy alliances based on what I'm reading in this word. Amen. Be careful who you surround yourself with and be careful who's in your ear. Amen. So, again, we've saw, we already talked about Jehoshaphat knew that something was amiss, but he escaped that battle with his life. What you do affects more than just you. You must not get off track. Why? Because if you do, you may end up somewhere you don't want to be. I believe that when King Jehoshaphat aligned himself with King Ahab, God was not pleased. Like some of you who align yourself with ungodly people, God is not pleased. So God allowed, because nothing can happen to you except God allowed it. God allowed the Moabites the Ammonites, and some of the Mennonites to surround Jehoshaphat and, his, Jehoshaphat and his army. And look, Jehoshaphat didn't know what to do. Listen to me. There are things that will happen to you that you, you just don't know what to do. You don't have an answer. There is nobody you can call. Some of you are looking to everybody else except the Lord. Listen to me. Big Mama can't help you out of this one. Mama can't help you out of this one. Daddy can't help you out, Grandpa, Papa. Nobody can help you out of this. Look, not even the sugar daddy that some people have. Oh, y'all didn't think I know about the sugar daddies. I know about the sugar daddies and the sugar mamas. And there is a such thing as a sugar baby. What in the world? You're going to all of these external sources to be sustained. When all you have to do is drop to your knees and call on your heavenly father and ask him to help you, to give you wisdom, looking for everything or answers from everyone but God. Second Chronicles 2, for the sake of time, I'm just going to skim through it. 23, verse 3 through 12 out of the New Living, said Jehoshaphat, look, was terrified by this news. You ever been terrified by some news? And begged the Lord for guidance. He also ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. Jehoshaphat said, look, this thing right here is bigger than me. I ain't just doing it by myself. Everybody going to get involved. So this is what he said. He said, so people from all the towns of Judah came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord's help. 
Jehoshaphat stood before the community of Judah and Jerusalem in front of the new courtyard at the temple of the Lord. He prayed, O Lord, God of our ancestors, you alone are the God who is in heaven. You are ruler of all the kingdom of earth. You are powerful and mighty. No one can stand against you. O our God, did you not drive out those who lived in this land when your people Israel arrived? And you... I'm sorry, and did you not give this land forever to the descendants of your friend Abraham? Your people settled here and built this temple to honor your name. They said, whenever we are faced with any calamities such as war, plague, or famine, we can come and stand in your presence before this temple where your name is honored. I'm going to stop right there. Whenever they were faced with any calamity such as war, famine, or plague, we just get gotten out of a plague, y'all. And some of us retreated when we should have been standing in the temple calling on the name of the Lord. Why? Because we didn't know what to do. I said in a message I taught a a few weeks ago, there were casualties, not fatalities, casualties of people who have walked away from God during this season. Why is that? Why have people walked away from God? Let me keep reading. He said, uh, we, can, we can cry out to you to save us. Listen, and you will hear us and rescue us. 10 says, and now see what the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir are doing. You would not let our ancestors invade those nations when Israel left Egypt. So they went around them and did not destroy them. Now see how they reward us. For they have come to throw us out of your land, which you gave us as an inheritance. Oh, our God, won't you stop them? We are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. We don't know what to do. Look, but we are looking to you for help. Jehoshaphat inquired of the Lord. And there again are some situations that only God can get you out. He didn't expect a battle, just like you don't expect battles. But he didn't have time again to call on anybody for advice except his Lord and Savior. What I love about it is he knew I got to get to God. In times of turmoil, you need to understand that your help comes from the Lord. It's okay to call me and pastor. It's okay to call another sister. But what if we don't answer? What are you going to do? You don't have to wait till you come to church. All you have to do is call on the name of the Lord. Amen? Why? Because God has never lost a battle. He's never lost a battle. He may not be winning the way you think it's won, but he has never lost a battle. Let's look at 2 Chronicles 20, verse 10 through 11 out of New King James. Again, and now, here are the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and did not destroy them. Here they are, rewarding us by by coming to throw us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. God has given you, believer, an inheritance. And it's only the enemy that's trying to come up against you to throw you out of what God has given you. He's trying to cause you to forfeit your God-given right. Come on. Those of you who are parents. Now, good parents, the Bible says, a good father leaves an inheritance for their children. If you go on to be with the Lord, hopefully you've got a real witness, and that will is your last will and testament. It's going to give instructions, but it's also going to tell if there is an inheritance. Now, if that inheritance says that you will receive X amount of dollars or X amount or X percentage of the possessions, you better know, I don't care if anybody tell you Big Mama didn't leave you nothing. Big Mama's will says this, and it's mine. Well, it's the same thing that God gave them the inheritance of land, just like he's given you an inheritance. Nobody can talk you out of your inheritance. Nobody can talk you out of your inheritance. You got a natural inheritance, church, and you got a spiritual inheritance. Look at Deuteronomy, verse 6, 10 through 14. 
your natural inheritance. I want to read it to you in case you didn't know or in case some of you forgot. This is what the Lord promised out of Deuteronomy, chapter 6, verse 10 through 14. It says, the Lord your God will soon bring you into the land he swore to give you when he made a vow to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It is a land with large, prosperous cities that you did not build. That's number one. The houses will be richly soaked with goods you did not produce. That's number two. You will draw water from cisterns you did not dig, number three. And you will eat from vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant. That's number four. That's your natural inheritance. Then it goes on to say, when you have eaten your fill of this land, listen, be careful not to forget the Lord who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. You must fear the Lord your God and serve him. When you take an oath, you must use only his name. You must not worship any of the gods of neighboring nations. So he says, look, I'm going to give you this inheritance, and it is rightfully yours, but this is what I need you to do. I need you in order to receive this inheritance. You got to swear that you're not going to do all this other stuff, that you're going to remember the Lord God, and you're going to worship me. You need to remember the Lord God and worship him. But you also got a spiritual inheritance. Well, Pastor Tina, what is my spiritual inher inheritance? You got salvation. Come on, you got victory, you got deliverance, you got the baptism of the Holy Spirit. God sent Jesus to die on the cross for you to pay a debt that you could not pay. That's your spiritual inheritance. Some of you are forfeiting that right because you don't know what's in the last will and testament. But it is written <laughs> on today. <laughs> That you shall remember the Lord your God. Because it is he that is made and given you wealth to establish his covenant. That's what the word says. You got a covenant with your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. How would you like it, church, if you went to the grocery store on today? Now, that's not for mamas to cook. I'm talking about all oh, y'all who going to buy the stuff that y'all going to cook for mama. Amen. But if you went to the grocery store today and you placed all of your items on the conveyor belt, and as the cashier was ringing them up, she gives you a total. And before you can put your debit card in there, somebody comes and swipes that thing and they say, it's paid for. How would you like it if you receive that? Oh, y'all don't care about that. I'd be excited. Trust me, I'd be real excited. If you're going to come, and pay for something that I thought I was going to have to pay for? That's what Jesus did. He paid a debt that you could not pay. If you go to your mailbox on tomorrow and you open up your mailbox and you see an invoice for those of you who have homes, and you see an invoice from your mortgage company, and that thing says zero, wouldn't you be excited? Now, if you're like me, you're going to call the mortgage company first, make sure it's not a misprint. And then when they run your account number and they verify that thing, and they tell you it's been paid, come on, everybody in my neighborhood going to know about it. I'm going to be shouting so loud, they probably call 911 because they thinking something's happening over there at 8406. I would be excited about that thing. But the same way we're excited about those paid-for groceries and the same way we're excited about that mortgage being paid for, we should be excited about the debt that our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, paid for us. We're too passive in this walk. I ain't saying you got to be like me, but there should be a word on your lips that testifies of the goodness and the majesty and the glory of your Lord and your Savior, Jesus Christ. I can't help it when I come in contact with people. I was at the job a few days ago, and I had to tell the new guy, we were walking down the steps, I say, in case you didn't know or you don't hear, I'm a pastor. And now he said, okay. He said, I go to church every Sunday with my mom. I say, praise the Lord. 
I say, I just wanted you to know in case we're talking about something and a hallelujah or amen or thank you, Jesus, rise up. I can't keep this thing to myself. Why? It's in me. It's a lifestyle. It's my way of life. I don't put this thing on the shelf. I don't hide it from people. I put it on full display. Why? Because he was on full display. He was on full display. He was on full display. I want to talk in closing. Closing. Amen. That's all I need. Three lessons we can learn from Second Chronicles. The first one is admit your helplessness before the Lord. You don't have to be strong. That's some of our problem. We, we, uh, we always feel like we have to portray strongness. Not realizing that our strength comes from the Lord. What I didn't read to you is found in 2 Chronicles chapter 17, verses 14 through 18. And you can read that for those of you who are taking notes. Jehoshaphat actually had over one million soldiers ready to fight. But he realized, even in this moment, that those one million soldiers weren't enough. Because he was confronted on every side. Even though he had these soldiers, he recognized that his fate and the fate of his nation was in God's hands. It doesn't matter what you have, only what God has. Don't be like King Jehoshaphat and listening to and accepting ungodly counsel. You better know in this season... What God is telling you, amen? Jehoshaphat came before the Lord humble and with a very open heart. Most of us think we know how our battles should get resolved, and so we begin to tell God what he needs to do instead of trusting the plan that he has for us, amen? Number two, this good right here. Quit complaining and start praising. A battle is before us. We feel like we boxed in or surrounded on every side and, and instead of praising our way through, we begin to complain. Begin to talk about it. Begin to tell others about it. And when you do that, you're magnifying the problem instead of the solution. And what I've resolved and what I've learned in my time of even being on this earth, and as I get older, I realize, again, the time is not on my side in the sense that I'm closer to the grave than I was when I first was born. I'm not going to sit around and magnify that problem and talk about that problem and tell everybody about that problem. No, I'm going to get to praising. I'm going to get to testifying. I'm going to start, look, doing what Jehoshaphat did when he came before God. I'm going to start reminding God of previous victories. I'm going to start telling him, God, I remember when you brought me out of this. I remember when I overcame out of that. God, you are a good God. God, you are a good father. First and last, beginning and the end, you are everything in between. You are Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Even if I don't have but lint in my pocket, you are still a provider. Even if I feel sick in my body, you are still a healer. Even if I don't have peace, you are still Jehovah Shalom. And when I begin to do that, I don't know about you, but something begins to stir on the inside of me. And before I know it, the problem is so far distant in my past. Didn't go away. I just put the word on it. I put God on it. I begin to lift my legs. I begin to lift my hands. I begin to raise my voice. And you got to do the same thing. Don't let the enemy talk you into a corner, sitting in the dark with the lights out, crying and crying and crying and crying. What's going to happen after you cry? Woman of God, man of God, you got to get up and you got to prepare for battle. Can't sit here all day long. 
can't stay in this barren place. No, something on the inside of you needs to rise up. You don't have no praise in your spirit. Go to Google, go to one of these uh, sites and get you some praise music. You don't know what the word says about your situation. Go to Google, go to Babel, go to the Babel app, pull up something and let it soothe you. In the days when the kings were having problems, they called for the minstrels to play and soothe them so that they wouldn't be tormented by their own thoughts. Quit complaining and start praising. Hasn't God done anything for you? Hasn't God healed you in times past? Hasn't he saved your life? For some of you, you should have been dead. But had it not been for the grace of God, time and time again, you turned your back on him, but he was still calling you, still wooing you, still beckoning you. He's still doing that even now. Quit complaining and start praising when praise and worship goes forth in this place, everybody should be standing. Everybody should be singing. Why? Because God is a good God. And in spite of what I'm going through, he's still a good God. 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 Amen. Philippians 4, 6 and 7 says this. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything by prayer and supplication, look, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all your understanding, because sometimes you don't understand what's going on. But the peace of God that surpasses all of your understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It's only the enemy that wants to keep you bound. It's only the enemy that wants to keep you in fear. It's only the enemy that wants to keep you in doubt. It's only the enemy that wants to keep you worried. It's only the enemy that wants to keep you anxious. But my God will bring you out every time. Jehoshaphat knew where his help came from. And number three, stand still and let the Lord fight your battle. <laughs> I know that word seems unrealistic when you're facing challenges. But the word of the Lord came to them, stand still. Because, you know, we can be some very impatient people. We, we want stuff to happen like yesterday. That's why somebody created a microwave. Because we want stuff to be done like yesterday. But the word is stand still. There's something to be said about you resting in God's word. Every plan that you have may not be God's plan. God is saying, look, if you would trust me in this, I will bring you out. And sometimes for us, we don't see the full picture, but we're not in God's position. He sits high and he looks low. We can only see from a certain vantage point. God said to them, stand still. Do you realize that when opposition happens to you and people don't treat you right and they do wrong things and you know how we do. We want to get all in our feelings. We want to tell them a piece of our mind and want to just make them feel the hurt that we hurt. Don't you realize that God can pay people back way far greater than you can? Because see what God is doing, he's looking to bring some restoration. You not. He always wants to reconcile people back to himself first. And when they get reconciled back to God, guess what they'll do? They'll come back and apologize. They'll come back and say, I was wrong. I should have never done that. So we need to work on that as a, as a church, amen, as a body of believers. Stand still and let the Lord fight your battles. God was trying to prove to them, just like he's trying to prove to some of us, that when he gets involved, you don't need anybody else. I'm going to close with this right here. This is it. Growing up, I used to watch wrestling, I know. Trust me, it wasn't but a few channels when I was growing up, and wrestling was the thing that used to come on. It used to be at the Coliseum, I believe, but anyway, nevertheless. I used to watch wrestling occasionally, and look, during those times, they had tag team wrestling. Y'all know what that? Tag team wrestling. And I noticed one thing about when they were in the wrestling ring, if one of them got weary or tired, they would go over to their partner, and they would tag them in. And look, they may have been weary or tired, but when they tagged their partner in, their partner came in all refreshed and ready to go. I want to put this into your hearing on this morning. When you're weary and tired, you need to go over to your partner and you need to tag Jesus in. 
And what happens is Jesus gets in the ring. He's not weary nor tired. He's refreshed and ready to go. He's ready to fight on your behalf and execute vengeance for your name's sake. You need to tag Jesus in. Amen. I want to encourage you with this message that although, again, you may be tired or weary, you have the victory. Second Chronicles 20 and 17 says this. Ye shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves. Stand ye still. And see the salvation of the Lord. The Lord, I'm, 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 see the salvation of the Lord with you. O Judah and Jerusalem, fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. No matter what's happening right now, he's telling you, get yourself together. Gird yourself up. Go out with me and face your battle. The last part of that said, fear not or be dismayed. And when I was reading this and studying for this message, I found out that fear not is in the Bible, listen, 365 times. You know what that uh, said to me? That there's a fear not for every day of the week. There's a fear not for every battle that you have to face. No matter what's going on, you can go to the scripture and you'll receive a word that tells you to fear not. You'll receive a word that tells you to fear not. God wants us, church, to take comfort in his word. And he wants you to know that he is with you. Amen? Come on, give the Lord a shout of praise. He is with you. He is with you. If the Holy Spirit has convicted or inspired you to join or reach out to us through today's message, then email us at kingdomlifechurchva at gmail.com. If you would like to give towards this ministry or find out more, Check out our website, which is kingdomlifeva.com, and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Kingdom Life VA. Thank you for listening, and be sure to subscribe so you can hear more messages like this.